Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We are in the divisional rounds. And Matt, I feel like the NFL owes us one after what we saw in the wild card, card round. But I've, I'm confident that they're going to deliver. Your, your thoughts on just in general what we're about to see? Pretty good stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I expect, with the exception of one game in New England, right. You know, the other three, I think, should be highly memorable, highly competitive. You know, looking back, I expected Raiders-Texans to at least be competitive, maybe not consequential. And I actually took the Raiders in what I thought would be a close one. And I thought the Giants-Packers would be tighter. And, you know, you watch the first 20 minutes or so of that game, it really felt like it. It felt like the Giants were maybe even going to win. But, man, I mean, the other two weren't close. And no, I think it goes not, to show that Miami and Detroit were you know? happy to be there. Yeah. We knew we knew that the Denver, I mean, the Oakland-Houston game would be, you know, wouldn't be pleasing to the eyes. But we were hoping it would be at least interesting, and it wasn't interesting. And then the, the Giants game, they kind of teased us, but it ended up being an explosive performance by the, by the Packers. So I do want to talk a little bit about some certain things, what we saw this weekend, and then move on to the preview and divisional rounds. I mean, what I think an underrated thing of Pittsburgh, what Pittsburgh did, of course they came out and scored all those points right away, and they're offensively explosive. But they took a giant out of the game. Now, of course, when you go up 14 nothing, you you are going to – you're not going to run the ball as much, but he was not a factor at all for the Dolphins, and that was like we talked about last week. No, key number one factor for a Dolphins upset was Jay, and, and they took him out, right? Yeah, they really did. I mean, people that were at the game that I know from the Steelers' sidelines felt that the Pittsburgh really took it personally that Ajayi ran all over them, what was it, week five or whatever, and really brought a little something extra to the table. Certainly the game script helped the Steelers' case a lot. You know, those two early right. touchdowns by Brown, I mean, they're backbreakers. When you're on the road in a playoff game you might not even deserve to be in, you know, against Roethlisberger in Heinz Field with a backup quarterback, and, you know, you, you get away from that game script and what, you know, what brung you in some ways if you're the Dolphins. So it all played out, obviously, very well for, for the Steelers. Um that being said, I mean, they played the run very well, too. You know, I mean, they're much better against the run now than they were earlier in the season. Right, right. <clears throat> now, moving over to the hot topic of the weekend, Odell Beckham Jr. I don't really want to talk too much about the, the boat trip itself unless you want to. Uh, to me, it, it wasn't a big deal. The, the big deal was how he reacted to it. And I actually told myself after that game, as soon as it ended, 
I'm not going to write about this guy this week, you know, about this game and, and the boat unless he makes news after the game. And 15 minutes later, I had my story. He made news. <laughs> he doesn't react well to things. He, he is such – and we've seen other, quote, diva receivers, but, I mean, he is so self-consumed. And, I mean, is this becoming a big problem for the Giants? I don't know. I mean, and it, does it go hand-in-hand hand with a rookie head coach? You know, I mean, someone that hasn't had to deal with big-picture things. You know, would he have got away with this with Coughlin? Is, is it just the star treatment of he's by far most important and valuable player, so he has a much longer leash than anyone else in the building, which I'm sure he does, and frankly I don't have a problem with on the surface. Is he really disruptive? I mean, do, do his teammates don't like to be around him? Uh, you know, is he does he lack competitiveness? I don't think that's the case. I mean, you've seen some guys that just don't care about winning, and you know, all they care about is their stats. I don't think that's the case with him. But he does come no, across highly immature. He's in his own head. That's his problem. Right. You know, even just like his confrontations with Josh Norman, like you got to be. You know, you can't let people get you out of your game like that, right? Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's a bad. T- I don't know much about him, but from the surface and, and and his transgressions, I don't think he's a bad teammate. I just think he's a guy that's in his own head. And I think this was a classic example. He had a bad game. He went to his press conference. He handled it okay. He's 24 years old. and He's playing in New York. You know, he's, so he got a lot of, but. He was told that, hey, people on social media are really kind of getting on you about this boat trip. He couldn't handle that, and he exploded. That's what he's got to get better, you know. Um, and it, it just seems like that's a big focal point for the Giants this offseason is getting him under control. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I did a podcast earlier today with with Matt Chatham, who who used to play for the Patriots, and this topic came up, and he just kind of said, you know, Bellis, you know, guys in New England go on vacations, but they don't take Instagram photos without their shirts on on a boat for everyone to see and flaunt it. You know, like, there's a fine line here. Like, nobody even knows you're gone if you're not telling the world about it and right. do I think that's why he played a bad game no I, I don't think it no. mattered at all I mean, maybe it was in his head that there was more stress on him to play a great game because all eyes are on him even more than ever but he was a liability in that game and we know that as Odell centric as that passing game and offense is they can't get away with that and it was uh, shockingly it was the best Eli's played in a long time right um, yeah, so, I mean, again, he's a big focal point where they're going to do, but, yeah, it, it's something we're going to be watching, and, and, you know, the spotlight of New York is not going to let that one go. I want to go to another receiver who's far more or less controversial, but far more or less uh, productive on the field, at least lately, and that's Amari Cooper. That's the guy that we've talked a lot about in the last few weeks, and you expressed some concern, and... Yes, he had Connor Cook as his quarterback the other day, but he didn't do anything to help out Connor Cook. And he had two catches for 10 yards. And this is a guy who, in the first half of the season, Amari Cooper had 400-yard receiving games. In the second half, 76 yards was his best. And he had a bunch under 30 and 40. 
And in the playoffs, he has 10. I mean, I don't think there's a concern about him, but I guess maybe the concern is that will, will he ever become an elite guy, which we thought, or is he just going to be one of the many good to very good receivers in the NFL? Yeah, it's a great question because I think he can be a top five guy. And there were stretches earlier this year I thought he was playing, you know, on that pace or, you know, nearing that level. And, you know, he entered the league as a as a as a prospect that had very few holes in his game, you know, where Kevin White was the raw athletic guy, you know, and um, he disappoints me, though, Cooper, is that last year I gave him a pass that, okay, you hit the rookie wall, you were dealing with some injuries, but you faded heavy down the stretch. This year, it's the same thing, but I don't have a great reason why. I mean, if it came out that, Boy, he's been battling a hamstring or whatever. Okay, I can understand that. There's a lot well, that of that was the case that... last year. He had a foot problem. You know, yeah. I mean, he's had regular, you know, aches and pains this year. But uh, yeah, he and he dipped worse this year, I think. Right, and they needed him more. You know that. Uh, you know, I wrote articles along the lines of yes, they can win that game in Houston, but they need the line to be strong and they need their receivers to step up and play better than they have at the end of this year. And all those things could happen. I didn't realize how how bad Cook was going to look. But, um, yeah, I mean, they need more from Cooper. And, in general, that team drops too many passes. I saw a stat where it was 46 this year, Michael Crabtree leading the league. Do you know if that's most for a team? Yeah. It's got to be. I, I, I do a Raiders podcast, and I don't want to get too Raiders-centric here, but this is fascinating. If I told you, okay, here's a team that, that they had the league's fewest sacks, they led the league in yards per play allowed, they led the league in penalties, they led right. the league in drops, what what would their record be? You'd think they'd be the Jaguars. Yeah, they're 12-4. 12-4, and, four. <laughs> 12 and, four, and right. So, in a way, you should look at that optimistically if you're Raider fans out yeah, there. Yeah, kind of. you, you got to think that gets better. You know, you're going to add more talent than you're going to lose this offseason. Carr's going to come back. <laughs> you know, every one of these young guys are a year older. Khalil Mack's not going anywhere. So, I mean, I think you look at that opportunity, you know, <laughs> through the right color glasses as, as a tough way of ending the season, but it's got to get better for in those regards. One question you about the Raiders before we just get off them, though. Is there a reason McGloin wasn't considered to go in? Um, I just I just don't think they have the confidence in him. I mean, obviously yeah. the whole injury thing was overblown, or he wouldn't have been active. I, I just don't think they had confidence. Jack Del Rio said, I just didn't think there would be much of a difference. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's where they're, they're heading. The Cook's going to be the backup. Did Cook show you anything? And this may be unfair. Did he show you, like, okay, he wasn't very good, but, you know, at least he looks like has the makings of, of a being around or at least as a solid backup or just not enough to look at? I mean, I think he has tools. And, I mean, I didn't study him a lot at Michigan State, and I have a hard time keeping up with draft as much as I would like. But I trust a lot of people, and, you know, a lot of people thought – I mean, you probably know this better than I do, but, I mean, they traded up for him because they were afraid Dallas was going to take him, and then <laughs> Dallas settled for Dak Prescott. How crazy is that, you know? I mean, Boy, the Raiders could have used Dak Prescott in the playoffs. And that's right. the only I mean, the time Reggie McKenzie in five years has traded up in the draft. 
Right. I mean, it's bonkers. But, I mean, the butterfly effect of these things in the NFL is, is crazy. Um, but I think yep. he throws the football well. You know, his big knock coming out of Michigan State was he was never a captain, wasn't well-liked, you know, rubs people wrong. I think he had his parents were really involved and people didn't like that. But, yeah, I, heard I mean, that, yeah. It, yeah, but, I mean, if he's a backup, I mean, I think he could become a high-end backup in time. He played yeah. terrible this weekend, though. Hey, b- before we uh, move on from the weekend, let's talk about last night a little bit. And you watched the college football game, obviously, right? I did, I did. You know, highly you did. I mean, I know you don't, you're not studying these guys yet, and I know this part really isn't, the draft isn't your, your, your total thing, but from what you saw last night, could you see Watson being the number one or number two pick by the Browns or 49ers? Yes, no, no doubt. You know, I, I think um, I, I don't know enough about him. I, I've casually right. watched him. Like, I've watched the Pitt game because I'm a Pitt fan, and that was his worst outing. That was their only loss. So Pitt should really be the national champs. And, you know, but he's obviously got tools. You know, I watched last year's national title game. He stepped up big in that game, even though it was in defeat. He, he, uh, yes, I mean, I would think that – you know, there's been a lot of talk that, boy, I mean, he, he's, you know, these guys that go back to school sometimes, they get criticized so harsh that next year when everyone's like, oh, he'd have been a first overall pick last year. And right. then you look at them through this microscope of every little thing they do wrong. And then it comes around the draft time again, and you're like, okay, I mean, let's, let's settle down here. We have faith in this guy. He, he has a lot of tools. There's a lot of talent right. on the field last night. Right. Oh, man. Um yeah. You know, and, and let's face it, these teams talk themselves into it a lot more than they talk themselves out of guys. So I'm sure there is some pretty giddy coaches and front office people in those two cities last night. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, you know, it got Vince Young drafted. You know, he went number three, you know. So um I want to talk a little bit about breaking news on this show, but there hasn't been much breaking news. The coaching carousel has been kind of slow. We're at five. One got filled with Jacksonville last night. Thoughts on the Maroon thing? I mean, boring, uninspired, or do you think it was a decent call? Part of me originally thought that it was boring, uninspired. You know, like, do you really have Like Malarkey in Tennessee, and, you know, turned that thing around. Yeah, yeah, you know, and originally I was thinking, so ownership thinks everything's hunky-dory here, and the only problem with the Jags is their former head coach, you know, that we're going to keep the GM and we're going to promote from within because we're doing everything right, and the culture's here one is wonderful, and what could be wrong except for one man takes the blame, and now we're going to be 10-6. and Right. But, you know, but, you know, we saw little glimpses of Bortles, you know, once Marone took over, and maybe scrapping everything for Bortles and starting over isn't the right answer. You know, you have built a lot of rapport there with him. And I like the Coughlin addition, you know, that at least he can come in as senior management or whatever they labeled him as and try to change the culture, and he's familiar with the building and the city, and he's won games there. I think he's a, a very nice addition in this in this equation. Yeah, he's a um, he's an all time guy. I mean, Coughlin belongs there. You know, he's not a he's not this old. The game's passing by. He's a big time guy, and, and I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I kind of like it. Um, I thought the difference between the pre Maroon Jaguars and the post Maroon uh, Jaguars was you know 
markedly different, maybe even a dramatic. And um, you know, if if it's if it's easy, why not? You know, but go get yourself a good defensive coordinator because you got good talent on that on that team. Um, I, I thought Josh McDaniels was the best fit there. We'll see. I'm glad people are talking McDaniels and the 49ers. If that were to happen, I think that'd be a home run for the 49ers and a and a risky move for a guy who has to get this one right in, in McDaniels. See, I don't – I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, that very well could happen. Maybe they pay the most or whatever. But I don't. I wouldn't even entertain that if I was McDaniels. I mean, to me, me that's either. Me that's either. The, and the reports ever. are that he's the leading candidate and he's intrigued by that job. I wouldn't touch it if I was him. Right. But I mean, unless it's paying something ridiculous, and you know, I mean, sure it is. Not that the other head jobs are paying poorly. Well, that's but, just to, that's just to rent a house in, in the Bay Area. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. But, I mean, along those lines, I mean, like, this is just a side note, but, like, I was at Pitt with Walt Harris. He took the Stanford job from Pitt, mm-hmm. and I remember our running back coach at the Times, like, I can't go with Walt because I can't afford a house. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're giving me more money, but, uh, I mean, I'm losing money to get a promotion. Oh, yeah. It's probably, like, <laughs> it's probably close to three times the, yeah. the housing rate. Yeah. yeah. Um, unbelievable. Hey, let's move the – to what we've got ahead, and I'm excited about this weekend, like I said at the top of the show. Um, what's the best matchup, do you think? There's some good ones. I mean, the two yeah. NFC ones to me are really good. Pittsburgh Chiefs could be a great one, too. I kind of look in it. I think Green Bay-Dallas is probably the best matchup. Me, too. And I really look at the both NFC games and think there could be a lot of points in these games. And I pretty much yeah. am going to say that anytime Atlanta plays anybody. You know, they have to score a lot of points. I don't trust their defense. But, you know, I just wrote an article about I don't think Jordy Nelson being out derails them too much, you know, because Cobb's back at least and Cook uh, is playing really well. Dallas really struggles against tight ends. And the key to me is can Dallas, and this is what we said a week ago, I mean, can the Giants get to Rodgers? And I didn't think they could, and that's why I took the Packers. And can Dallas get to Rodgers? I don't think they can. And that means a lot of points. I mean, there's no way around it. I don't care who the secondary is. If Rodgers has time to throw, he's going to make plays. And But the other side of the ball, I bet Elliott has a giant game too. So I'm not even sure I'm picking the Packers, but I think that you know the Packers' offense does more than their share. Yeah, I think that's going to be a phenomenal game. And i am really got high hopes for everything other than New England and Houston. But I just think that's a next-level game. I mean, it's it's an NFC title game right now, right? And, yeah, right. And I mean, it, I honestly it's, feel it's, just, feel uh, it, it's terrific, and I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think there's going to be a ton of points. And that probably lends itself to – the you know the experienced quarterback who's out of his mind right now you know I mean if he's gonna have to keep on scoring I bet he does keep on scoring and, and one question about Nelson I it's interesting that you say they may not miss him but isn't he the security blanket and isn't he the guy that once he got healthy from the knee that's when Aaron and the rest of the offense kind of took off in the second half of the year no doubt, and the stats certainly show that. But in that relationship, I think, you know, Nelson benefits more from Rodgers than vice versa. <laughs> I mean, okay. with all respect to Nelson, he's a great receiver. Right. 
and they they throw those back shoulder fades, and when the play breaks down, there's nobody better. But since then, you know, Geronimo Allison has looked okay. Now Cobb comes back, and Nelson played a lot out of the slot. You know, that's going to be Cobb's role. Devontae Adams is really solid. I mentioned Cook, who I like a lot now. So, yeah, he'd be missed, but, you know, I I don't think that it's a huge, huge loss, especially in this matchup. I don't think Dallas' defense is all that overwhelming, especially from a pass rush standpoint. And and just kind of another note that there's eight teams playing this weekend, and if you can take Houston out of the equation – I think those are the best seven teams in football. And really the gap from one to seven to me isn't that dramatic. So that makes them some great stuff going forward. Yeah, no, I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be terrific. And if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt, I think we're eight for eight. Yeah, no doubt. You know. And and Kansas City's probably at New England and Pittsburgh's probably at Oakland. Um yeah, it, it it's gonna be really good stuff and I think they're going to be close games, and even if they're not close games, I think they're all going to still be interesting, and I'm talking about the, the non-Houston games. Um, right. Of those three, which do you think has the best chance of being a blowout? Um, probably Atlanta. Because I was thinking that, too. Seattle can't, Seattle can't keep up with them offensively. And they stink on the road for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the Steelers blew out the Chiefs earlier, but I can't see them going to Kansas City and doing the same. Yeah, I, yeah, real early in the year in, in Kansas City, and I, I don't know. I, I think that's going to be. I, you know, I really think that's going to be a toss-up game, and maybe like a, a field goal difference at the end. Agreed. Yeah, and one thing I always talk about with the Chiefs now is they're not, you know, your older brother's Chiefs. They're where. Their foundation, their running game, their down-after-down defense, their lack of mistakes isn't as strong as it used to be. You know, I mean, the typical Andy Reid, manage the game, don't put too much uh, on Smith's plate. That's sort of like the underreported story. They're not as good at that stuff as this year as they have been. Their run defense is a bit of a problem since Derek Johnson went out. But they're so big play reliant and great, you know, at all three phases. Tyreek Hill is a returner, Tyreek Hill on offense, Kelsey on offense, um, all the interceptions and turnovers they create and sacks now at Justin Houston's back. That They're a splash team now. They, they play with a much bigger personality than a lot of people probably even realize because, you know, they're in the Midwest, Andy Reid's their coach, but you watch their games – they're entertaining, and their offense, you know, everybody's talking about Alex Smith being a, a game manager, but they do have some personality on offense because of those two weapons you mentioned, and they will get in your, they will get in your butt a little bit offensively. No, no doubt, and they take shots downfield, and yeah, I'm still not an Alex Smith believer, but the other guy no one ever talks about, too, is this bye week might be really good for Jeremy Macklin, too. Yep, yep. And I, I just like that matchup because Steelers have an explosive offense. Chiefs have a dynamic defense. You know, so maybe that's 20 to 24 points for the Steelers. Chiefs don't have a great offense, but, again, they can score, and the Steelers have a solid defense, but they can give up a play or two. So I just think it's going to be a really good matchup. Yeah, I do too, and – 
been asked this a lot, obviously, here in Pittsburgh, and I don't know exactly how you do this, but you can't let up the big plays, you know, in all three phases. And from a Steelers perspective, that worries me because the, the spot that worries me is when the Steelers have the ball because Roethlisberger's had a down year, and it hasn't been publicized enough, and he's been far worse on the road. He's thrown a lot more near interceptions than I think the average fan realizes. And he's thrown a share interceptions, too. And if you, with Peters and Barry and that pass rush, that if he turns the ball over, you know, one extra time, that could be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. What Do you think, I remember you talked about Ben on the road a few weeks ago. Might have been a couple months ago. Has that has that been a trend this year? Because, I mean, I, I, after you said I looked at his stats, I, I mean, is that an issue? It's been a massive issue, Bill. I mean, and what's crazy, well, there's a couple things about it, is I have no answer for it whatsoever. You know, like, Drew Brees is a lot better in the dome than on the road. Okay, I get that. You know, it's a throwing offense. Sure, you go to bad weather or wind or whatever. Maybe he doesn't play as well. But Ben's not that type of quarterback. I mean, he grew up in Ohio, and, you know, he tra- you know, he, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I didn't even become aware of it until – you know, some fantasy people were talking about it a lot. Like, okay, Ben's at home. Put him in your fantasy lineup. He's on the road. Don't. Don't, because the numbers are so much different. And it's not just this year. It's three years in a row now. I mean, it's not just a 16-game sample size. You know, in the NFL, I mean, there's. it's not like baseball. There's 182 games. Okay, there's a small sample size here. Maybe it's just a fluke. But since the start of the 2014 season, the numbers are drastically different, and I have no idea why, unless he plays the Browns. Right, but he's still <laughs> top level at home. He's great at home, but he's average on the road, and the turnovers are an issue this year. So does that mean? So that doesn't mean he's falling off the cliff or on the back nine per se. He's just right, just like kind you of watch Eli thing. and say, "Boy, he doesn't throw the ball as well." You know, I mean, someone from the same draft class. Where Ben, it's like he's. I don't have the answer. I mean, I get asked that all the time. I talk about, I talk to people who are close to the team. Ben's aware of it. I know that. But there isn't a distinct answer for why is your numbers and your play so much worse on the road. Yeah, interesting. Well, and, and that's not an easy place to play this weekend. No, against a good defense, an opportunistic defense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um Let's just talk a little bit about the New England game, and this is going to be very much a blowout, right? I think so, you know, but if I'm looking through, I mean, if I'm opportunistic from the, the Texan standpoint is, you know, Romeo knows Brady well, you know, and that's a difficult defense to play against. They're really good at corner. Clowney and Merciless are a real handful. Will Fork against his own, you know, his old team. But I don't think Brady's going to be confused. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. and there's certainly things that you like from a Houston perspective when, when New England has the ball. But the other side of the ball is just such a nightmare. You know, like if I'm Belichick, right. I'm like, all right, let's not screw it up when we have the ball. But, boy, am I looking forward to playing against Osweiler. Right. You know, put right. Malcolm I mean, Butler on Hopkins and, you know, blitz them heavy. And I, I just don't know where Houston scores points. And they're terrible on special teams. Yeah. 
Houston's not going to score more than 14, and New England's probably not going to score less than 27, right? Right. I mean, they're going to be above 20 for sure, and I can't see Houston getting to 20. Right, right. Let's wrap, wrap up the show. How could and, – and Seattle's a good team, and we both like Seattle. They're both our Super Bowl teams. But I think we both agree they're the underdog. How do they win this game? And I don't ask that by saying they don't have a shot, but, but clearly, I mean – Atlanta's averaging 33.8 points a game. How does Seattle win this game? Yeah, and you wish you had Earl Thomas for this one. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. for sure, because they can attack you so many ways. And since Earl's been out and with a new defense coordinator up there, Richard, they've played more man coverage this year than usual, and I would expect that's the plan for this one is let's have Sherman follow Julio all day, sometimes on an island, um, and they throw so much at us that we hope that Wagner and Wright and Chancellor and those guys can take away their tight ends and running backs, and that's going to be a stiff chore in, in their passing game and man coverage. But I, I look at it from Seattle and think, yeah, the Lions are bad on defense, but we've seen glimpses of better offensive line play and better running game the last couple weeks. If we actually are better, you know, I mean, if Glowinski and Britt and some of these offensive linemen are coming around late in the season, as so often happens with this team year after year, and we can run the ball with Rawls over and over and maybe even more Wilson design runs, they didn't even ask him to run last week, they may run all over the Falcons. You know, to me, that's a possibility. And, and kill clock, key, and right? kill clock and play tough and grind them down on the road and – I don't think Atlanta has an answer for Jimmy Graham or Baldwin. You know, that Atlanta defense scares the heck out of me. I don't think it's a good group. And if they don't get into a pass fest where Freeney and Beasley are teeing off in a loud dome, I think Seattle's got a real shot. Yeah. Interesting. Let's, let's end the show with who, who we can talk about next week. Who's, who's the uh, championship games? Wow. I mean, it's... Tuesday around dinner time here in the East Coast, and I'm still having wrapped myself around next week's matchups as much as trying to review last week's. But I feel very confident that New England wins, and I said mm-hmm. that first so I can think about the other ones. <laughs> I think Pittsburgh wins in Kansas City, but, man, that's a coin flip to me. I'm leaning towards Seattle, and I know that I'm a, I'm, I, I fear that I'm a, too much of a Seattle lover. And I'm leaning towards Green Bay. So I I just picked three road teams on the Patriots. Wow, and Seattle would be doing the cha-cha, saying, okay, we, we, we stubbed our toe out this year, but we're, now we're hosting the NFC title game again. Right, you know? I didn't think of that. Yeah, and it, it would go right in, play right into their hands. I, I think it's going to be New England, Pittsburgh in a toss-up, in a toss-up, and then um, – Atlanta, Green Bay, yeah, I, I which don't... could be another shootout. That could be a 39-38 you know, game. And I think that's how all Falcon games have to be. I mean, if they win yeah. the Super Bowl, I think they'll win three shootouts. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Matt, great stuff. Appreciate it. Everybody, it's going to be a great weekend. Maybe make some Saturday night plans, but don't miss the other three. Thanks for listening to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We'll talk to you next week. Matt, thanks a lot. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.